You're listening to Day 10 of A Little Bit of Heaven, a special study from North Richland Hills Baptist and Cross Church, focusing on the Christian hope for this life and the life to come. Here's Pastor Scott Mays. Nearly all of us wonder what heaven would look like. In fact, the Bible records the accounts of two people who have actually were taken there in visions. The first of which is in 2 Corinthians 12, where the Apostle Paul writes of being transported to the third heaven, or God's home. But he was forbidden to speak about what he saw there. The second account comes from the Apostle John, who had the high privilege of visiting heaven through a vision. Now, it's important to remember, John is not telling us that he died, then visited heaven, and then came back to tell about it. No, John was given a vision by the Holy Spirit. Unlike Paul, John was permitted to give us a detailed description of his vision, which he did in the last book of our Bible, the book of Revelation, chapters 4 and 5. Now, the Bible refers to heaven more than 500 times, and others, such as Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, mentioned before, or Ezekiel in Ezekiel 1, offer us glimpses. Yet John's description here in Revelation 4 and 5 is the most complete and informative in all of Scripture. We are escorted by none other than the Apostle John himself, so close to Jesus throughout his lifetime. We're carried far beyond the mundane features of our ordinary lives to behold the realities of eternal heaven. Now, through John's vision, believers have the privilege of previewing the place where they will live forever. Now, I want to encourage you to set aside time today to read Revelation 4 and 5 in its entirety. You may want to even pause this recording and read it now. Whenever you read Revelation 4 and 5, it won't take you but a few minutes, and I encourage you to take the counsel of one author who recently said, Let your imaginations run wild. We cannot be too extravagant in our attempt to depict this setting for our mind's eye. The colors we imagine will not be too vibrant. The space we allot for the throne and what surrounds it will not be too large. The sights and sounds we conceive in our brains will not be too impressive, too surprising, or too overwhelming. We're talking about the glory of Almighty God. Seated on His throne in heaven, we will not overdo it in our attempt to imagine the scene. Now, I want you to place your focus on the center of John's picture for us, the throne of God. And it's really important you understand that John does not describe God the Father in any way here. Instead, he describes the beauty and the splendor that surrounds God himself. The Bible takes great pains not to give us any images of God the Father. Instead, the scripture speaks of the awe-inspiring greatness around him. Here, God is portrayed by the brilliance of light, reflecting off the precious and rare stones around his very throne. The psalmist also speaks of God as one who is covered in light itself, as if it were a garment. Paul speaks of the Lord as dwelling in an unapproachable light, who no one has seen or can see God. Now, one of the favorite go-to images to describe heaven is the throne of God again. And the throne here is a symbol, and it occurs more than 40 times in Revelation. We're reminded of Isaiah and his famous words, 
I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted. The psalmist sings, God reigns over the nation. God is seated on his holy throne. Now, no vision of God has ever caught a glimpse of God plowing a field, working on a computer, cutting his grass, cleaning his car, filling out reports, or loading a truck. No, heaven is not coming apart at the seams. God is not at his wit's end. Instead, he sits. He sits on a throne. All is at peace, and he has everything under control. Now, completing the vision around the throne of God are 24 other thrones in which are seated 24 elders. They're dressed in white, wearing crowns of gold. Out from the throne come flashes of lightning and peals of thunder. A sea of glass, we're told, stretches out before the throne, adding to the scene of grandeur. Four living creatures serve as worship leaders, and they proclaim the tremendous holiness of God, the Eternal One. The very nature of them piqued my curiosity. Now the elders, they fall down before the one who sits on the throne, and they lay their crowns before him, praising and exalting him as creator over all that exists. Now let's move from the vision to you. Here you sit this morning, this evening, this afternoon. You and I have fears, we have troubles, we have frustrations and apprehensions and anxieties. But you need to know that God is on his throne today. We face terrorism, we rightly fear ISIS, there's gridlock in Washington, and your checking account may not have sufficient funds. The doctor may tell you you have cancer or you need a new heart or kidney or lung. Your husband or your wife may have told you they don't love you. Your boss may tell you that you no longer have a job. But through all of this potential pain, I call on you to hear me in the name of Jesus. God sits on his throne. Let's join with the elders in worship today. Heaven is great because God is in control.